Welcome to The Saint Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Thank you, mate. So good to be with you here today. I've just come straight from Shoreditch. They were doing baptisms as well, and their water was like titanic cold levels. Uh, You guys got 32 degrees or something like that going on. So uh, this is definitely the campus to be part of if you're getting baptized. Uh, Obviously, it's all the same. Well, it doesn't matter, temperature. But it really is an honor to be here today. I um, was meant to be going to a wedding in October. And it was one of my good mates. So I said to my wife, like, I'll put in this wedding in the calendar. And I went out to buy a suit because I don't have a suit. And uh, she's like, when is it? And I showed her the date. And she's like, whoa, I love it. Uh, I'm really scared of dogs. So, like, that got me. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I was ready. But um, anyway, to cut the story short, I was saying, um, I bought my suit, ready for the wedding. My wife had already said, we're going to this family thing. So I can't go to the wedding. And I'm one of those guys that pulls the tags out straight away when you get something. Anyone else do that? I'm just like, I'm not, it's gone. I'm keeping it. And she's like, well, now you've got nowhere to wear your suit. You know, I spend all my time working with young people. And then when I got asked to come to St. Church, I thought, that is my moment. That is my day. I'm wearing my suit. So uh, thank you very much. I'm wearing my Sunday best. You know, Alpha is all about questions. And so I thought I'd ask you a question today. And the question is, why the Sunday service? Why the Sunday service? Like, why do we meet like this? For some of you, you might know, like, what we do, but you might not know why we do it. For some of you, you might be invited here for the first time. Maybe your friend was getting baptized, or someone's invited you, and you've got no idea what's going on. Well, what we're going to do is just look at a couple of elements of a Sunday service. We're going to look at why do we have praise and worship? Why do we have prayer? Why do we read the Bible? And why do we have ministry time at the end? So hopefully we walk out of this place just encouraged that we didn't waste a couple of hours on a Sunday evening, but actually this was significant and supernatural. Because I've got to be honest with you, when COVID hit and I was sitting in bed watching the Sunday service in my pajamas, eating my multi-grain Cheerios, I was loving life. I'm like, this is the best way to enjoy church, right? And then when church opened up and we could go back to meeting together, I've got to tell you the truth. Like, I wasn't running through the front doors with a skip in my step. I was actually, like, loving being at home. But I was a paid pastor, so it's my job, so I had to go. And when I went in, I just got fully convicted. I totally messed up because I'd forgotten the why behind the what. And as I sat on that Sunday, the first time gathering together after lockdown, I just realized that actually what we're part of right now is so important. It's so important. And I love that we can watch services online. But when, when Jesus started the church, I do not believe that he intended services online to be the fullness of church. And even Sunday services are not the fullness of church. But yet I do believe that this gathering together is so important. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for every single person in this room today, including that dog, which I hope is chained up. <laughs> Lord, I pray that as we just look at the Sunday service, that we will not go through some religious routine, some ritual, but it'll be a space where we can hear from you. Lord, this is your service, not ours. So will you do whatever you want to do in your mighty name? Amen. So let's look at praise and worship. Why do we have praise and worship? Well, praise and worship means to give adoration, devotion, or glory to someone or something. And every single human being on the planet worships something. Whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, whether you attend church or you don't attend church, everybody worships something. Now, this is what I realized. 
Worship anything other than Jesus. And often that thing takes from you, depletes you, and sometimes has the ability to destroy you. But worship Jesus Christ. He builds you. He heals you. He restores you. For we were actually created to worship him. The truth is we become like what we worship. All the way through the Bible, what you find is that it says, live for an audience of one. Live a lifestyle of worship. Worship isn't 20 minutes of singing. Worship is a lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle of Galatians 2.20, no longer I, but Christ that lives in me. I decide to give God the glory. Exodus 14, verses 17, God says, and I will take you through the Red Sea, and I will receive glory, and all of Egypt will know that I am Lord. 1 Samuel 12 says, I will rescue a people for my namesake. Psalm 115 says, not to me, O Lord, not to my name be the glory, but to your name be the glory for your kindness and your truth. Isaiah 43 says, even when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, for I love you. Do not be afraid. Do not fear, for I created you for my glory. Let's go to New Testament, Matthew 5, verse 16. It says, show your good deeds, not for your glory, but for God's glory, so people will praise your heavenly Father. Romans 9 says, you have been appointed to display his power so that his fame will spread throughout Hackney, so that his fame will spread throughout the world. And Revelation 4 says, Worthy, O Lord, to receive all glory, honor, and power, for you created all things. See, this is my question that I ask myself. Why would I ever worship man when I was created to worship man's maker? Why would I worship people who can sometimes let us down when we can worship the one who never let us down, never leave us, never forsake us, overlook us? See, when we don't worship Jesus, often we worship people. We worship celebrities. We worship our parents. We worship our partner and our kids, fame and fortune. We worship so many things. But we were never created to worship those things. We were created to worship Jesus. Now, if you've walked in here today and you think that this worship looks a little bit different, it's because you cannot see the one we're worshiping. See, this venue gets hired out for gigs and Ed Sheeran is played here. And if you walk into an Ed Sheeran gig, you will see praise and worship on a very high level. No one holds back when Ed is in the room. But you know what? The reason why we don't think that's weird is because we can see Ed. If you go into a football stadium, let's just say, I don't know, Manchester City are playing Man United. Sorry if there's anyone in the house who supports Manchester United. Anyway, you will see passionate praise and worship. But again, that's normal. Why? Because you can see the players on the pitch. But for us, we think this is a little bit weird. Why? Because we can't see the one that we're worshipping. But here's the thing. All you need to do is just spend five minutes chatting to some of the people that are worshipping on your left and your right. And you will hear and you will see that God is not a dead God, distant God or dormant God, but he is alive. As you hear all the stories from the people who just got baptized, you will see that it's not some religious routine that people are just walking through, that they have a personal relationship with Jesus and that is why they worship him. And that is why they give him the glory. What I love about worship is that no one can make you worship. For worship is a heart thing. It's not out of obligation, it's out of adoration. Someone can make you come to the 6 p.m. service and someone can make you sit in that seat but no one can make you worship today. And I love that because this is a real moment where we worship God from our heart to him. Let's get into some scripture. It says this in Psalm 100 verses one. It's coming off the screen. It says, shout for joy to the Lord or the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. Then it goes on to say, The next bit says, it is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Isn't it funny that at the beginning it says, shout with joy to the Lord. Yes, hello. (laughs) Just checking you're still chained up. Shout with joy to the Lord. Now you'll see a shout of joy in an Ed Sheeran concert and you'll see a shout of joy in the football stadium. 
But sometimes we think that church is not a place for a shout of joy, but actually what the scripture says is that giving God a shout is a biblical thing. Well, after those people got baptized, Al said, come on, let's give God a shout of praise. Al's not trying to hype the service. The word hype means to extravagantly exaggerate. Here's the thing. When you try to exaggerate someone or something, you can do it. You can hype Ed Sheeran and you can hype a football team. But the truth is you can't hype God. Because no matter how much praise you give him, no matter how much glory you give him, no matter how much you lift your voice towards him, it doesn't even come close to how good and how great he is. See, a shout of praise is not hype in the service. A shout of praise is just a biblical way to praise him. Now, often we don't because we are reserved English people. You know the word reserved means held back for another purpose. So if I was going to play in a football game in the afternoon, I wouldn't run a marathon in the morning because I'm reserving myself for another purpose. And that purpose is to have energy in my game later on. You know, as Christians, we are meant to be reserved at times. But we're not meant to be reserved in church on a Sunday service. We're meant to be reserved when we're outside in our normal sphere of influence. When people are belittling, excluding, rejecting, gossiping, and hurting people, that's when we reserve ourselves, not to cast judgment on that, but to bring the love and light of Jesus Christ into that situation. There is many times as Christians where we are meant to be reserved, where we're meant to hold back for another purpose. But this is my question. Why do we ever be reserved in a Sunday service in the 6 p.m. evening service? Because what other purpose is there than to give him all the glory? In fact, I would put it to you that maybe this is the one time out of the whole week where you can just walk into a safe, shame-free space and you can praise God with all that you have, with all that you are, because you understand who he is and what he's done for you and you're not going to let the fear of man stop you from giving him praise. He goes on to say, worship the Lord with gladness. I don't know about you, but it's really hard sometimes to worship the Lord with gladness. I'm going to go on to my BBC News app and see what's happening in the war in Ukraine see what's happening with the floods, see what's happening in the stampede that just happened in Indonesia, seeing the death of Chris Cabo and the racism that still exists. I don't know about you, but I start to go through the news feed and I'll tell you, I can worship the Lord in sadness. Yeah, you know, I can do that easy, but how am I meant to worship the Lord with gladness when I've just come from the situation of circumstance and scenario? Here's the thing, it doesn't say get glad before you worship. Just as worship the Lord with gladness. See, what happens is as we start to sing in worship, it's not Christian karaoke, we're singing truth. And the truth sets you free. See, as you start to praise him and sing the truth, you get set free of the fear, of the worry, of the anxiety, of the stress, of the heavy burden that you've been carrying. And he replaces it with boldness and confidence and courage that only comes from on high. He gives you a hope that you can't manufacture or fake. That's what happens in praise and worship. So today you might be going through some things and you don't feel glad. But I believe today as we start to worship him, as we start to praise him, you will receive a joy and a gladness that only comes from on high. There's some people today in your situation you haven't told anyone about because it's a dark, severe, terrible situation. And there's no reason why you should be worshiping today with your hands in the air singing this song. But God's not asking you to put your hands in the air and he's not asking you to sing these songs. He's not asking you to do things. What he's asking you to do is just give him your heavy burden so he can take it from you and give you a boldness and a hope so you can go back into your tomorrow. I don't know if you realize this, but Hackney needs a community of people who are a voice of hope. And it's worship which enables us to be full of this hope and excitement. Because as you worship him, what happens is you get a perspective shift. You start to see how good and how great and how glorious he is. 
how mighty and magnificent and majestic he truly is. And as you start to worship him, you realize that yes, the situation and scenario is serious, but it's still small in comparison to the power and the strength of your heavenly father. It's not hiding your problem under a rug. It's being real with your problem. But in worship, you're understanding that he is much more powerful and he is much more greater. And I just wonder if there's some people in the room here today and you've lost sight of the power of God. Well, we gather today on a Sunday service, not just to sing songs and have Christian karaoke, now but declare the truth over our situation. It then says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, which means thanksgiving is a really important part of worship. The world will try and get you to focus on what you don't have, but God's word tries to get us to focus on what we do have. The roof overhead, the food on the table, our friends, our family, and most of all, the grace that we have received. Imagine if you woke up tomorrow, Monday morning, with only the things that you thank God for today in this very service. Wouldn't that change the way you thank him? Like, no, seriously, just stop. Just, all right, so tomorrow, Monday morning, the only things that you're waking up with are what you thank God for today in this very Sunday service. Wouldn't that change the way you thank him? Wouldn't that change that sense of gratitude? It says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The courts is this inner place where God dwells, where we give him praise. Now, this word praise in the Hebrew is a word called tehillah. Tehillah means to sing, to clap, to dance, to celebrate, to boast, to, to go all in, to worship God with reckless abandon. Now, I have seen people worshiping God with tehillah praise, but it's not always on a Sunday service. It's often at camps and conferences. Anyone go to Focus this year? A few people. Anyone go to Renaissance last, last, last year? Do you know what? I went to both of those conferences and both of those camps. And afterwards, when I'm talking to people, people are telling me about what God did in their lives. They say, I heard from God. I encountered God. I experienced God. So the question is, why do people seem to encounter God more at the camps and the conference than they do on a Sunday service? Well, the reason is because they go there with an expectation. They go there and they're hungry. They go there and they're desperate. They go there and like, God, I want to hear from you. So I'm getting down on my knees and I'm not leaving until you speak to me today. And their, their expectation It's like an invitation for God to step in. You see, God doesn't like long-distance relationships with us. No, he wants to be close to us. And so as we give him to heal a praise and we draw near to him, what happens is he draws near to us, as it says in James 4, verses 8, and we encounter him in a crazy, supernatural way. Which means this could be one of the most radical services you've ever been in and had nothing to do with the time or the day, has nothing to do with the worship team or the songs, has nothing to do with the preacher. It has everything to do with our heart. Will we praise God with the healer praise, which is when you praise him without the fear of man? I would like to say that I've been like smashing it in this area since I became a Christian, age 18, but that'd be a lie because I was too insecure. I was always worried about what people might think and what people might say about me. So I'd just be the kid at the back with my hands in my pocket, might throw out some Frisbees like this, I might, I don't know, give a little T-Rex arm in worship, but I'm not going two arms. I'm not, I'm not there, you know. But then I had a revelation that God is not looking for cooler, slicker, smoother people in church. He's looking for an unashamed, undignified generation that will praise him like they're in heaven, that they will bring heaven down to earth. You ever gone to a wedding? Do you know who the first people are on the dance floor? It's not the bride and the groom. No, it's kids. Kids get on there and they're like throwing these shapes and it's like out of tune. They don't care what the song is. They don't care about the melody. No, they're just there because they're dancing. Why? Because they haven't yet learned the fear of man. I believe that's what our praise and worship is meant to look like. A place where we don't care what people might think and people might say about us, but we are free 
stepping out of our comfort zone. And I'm saying you have to lift your hands. I'm just saying just, just do whatever you want to do. Just don't let the fear of man hold you back. So I don't know if this is going to surprise you, but I can't sing in tune. My wife reminds me regularly. And um, most of my Christian walk, I just, I'm a great mimer. Like I just mime those worship songs. I'm brilliant at miming, but nothing comes out of my mouth because I don't want to annoy the person in front of me. But then I started to go to Sunday service after Sunday service after Sunday service all around the world. I've been to different Sunday services. Do you know what I've realized about people who sing out you? We're the majority. We are. We are the majority. And so I just wonder whether it's time for the majority to turn it up a little bit and lose the fear of man. And when you sing so loud that the person in front of you turns around because your voice is that bad, take it as a sign that you are overcoming the fear of man, that you understand that your voice is not for X Factor or Brains Got Talent or TV or radio, but it is to praise the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ today. Come on, I don't know who I'm speaking to, but I want to encourage you. Take one step out of your comfort zone because that awkward space of being out of your comfort zone is where you truly encounter God because he's never going to leave you hanging. He'll meet you there. The next bit is prayer. Prayer. Why do we pray? You know, the world is familiar with prayer. Prayer is not uncommon. I see the hashtag, pray for Ukraine, from Christians and non-Christians. So why do we pray? The truth is, is because we know the power of prayer. Charles Spurgeon, who had the first megachurch here in London, he didn't try and start a megachurch. He just preached the gospel. People were set free, and the thing grew. They started orphanages to help the street kids in London. In fact, that church totally impacted the culture and society here in London. So this famous preacher said, I would rather teach one person to pray than 10 people to preach. Corrie Ten Boom, a female preacher, she says, when you pray, is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? What she's saying is, is prayer the thing that drives your life or is it only the thing you go to in case of emergency? John Bunyan, an American pastor and preacher, he said, when you pray, rather let your heart be without words than your words be without heart. What he's saying is that prayer isn't meant to be this like long, lofty English language. It's meant to be you speaking in your own language. See, if I was to pass the microphone around today and say, hey, do you want to take it in terms of pray? A lot of us would be intimidated about doing that. But here's the thing. The reason we get intimidated is because we think that there's a way to pray, a language to pray, but there isn't. There is no wrong prayer. It's only you speaking to your loving Heavenly Father. There's no formula to prayer. Sometimes we think we have to have our hands together and our eyes shut. God's here, he's not here, he's here, he's not here, he's here, he's not here. As if, you know, there's a certain formula, but it's, it's not the case. There's, there's not a formula, but there is a framework. And that's what Jesus gives us in Matthew 6, verses 9. He says, when you pray, so he doesn't say if you pray, Jesus is actually expecting us to pray. He says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. That just means glory be to your name, honor be to your name, holy is your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What this tells us is that prayer is not about God doing our will. It's about us aligning with his will. And what is his will? His will is for his kingdom to come on earth, in Hackney, in your sphere of influence, in your situation, as it is in heaven. So for us to pray this prayer, we we need to know what heaven is like. In heaven, there's no wars, no famine, no sickness, no illness, no disease, no racism, no narcissism, no terrorism, no eating disorders, no depression, There's no suicidal thoughts. In heaven, it is perfection. You see, when Jesus was on earth, he walked around looking for different situations and circumstances where that thing would not exist in heaven. And then he'd step into that, pray for that, bring healing and transformation, and then he'd just go about on his day-to-day. 
And in the same way as the body of Christ in a Sunday service, we are meant to gather together to pray for each other's needs, the things that we are facing that would not exist in heaven, and also to pray for the needs outside of the community that are happening around the world that, are not be, that would not exist in heaven. And as obvious as that might sound, I want to say that today because maybe there's some of you who are going through something and you have lost hope. Well, at the end of the service, we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for miracles. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for transformation. And maybe you have lost hope today. Maybe you've given up. Well, you're with a community who has not given up, who are going to stand with you, whatever you're facing, and they're going to believe that his kingdom will come, that his will be done today in your life as it is in heaven. Anyone believe that? I'm not one of those shouty preachers. I try and get you to say things, but I just, you know, like the word amen means, I agree. The word amen means let it be. So like in Parliament, when someone says something that they agree with, have you heard them? They're like, hear, 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 hear. Well, in church, we don't say hear, hear. That'd be really weird. What we do, we just say, amen. Amen means I agree. Amen means let it be. So here in Hackney is the best coffee in the world. (laughs) Okay, that's debatable. It's debatable. Bad example. Anyway, let's move on. The next part is the word, is the Bible. It's this moment right here. It says this in uh, it doesn't say this this is, this is translated in 2,200 languages there's been one of these sold every second of every minute over the last two years it's more than Harry Potter Lord of the Rings and the Da Vinci Code put together it's the world's most smuggled book it's the world's most stolen book and more people have lost their life over this book than any other book this book brings life David King David who was around before Jesus he said the word is a lamp unto my feet which lights up the pathway which tells us that this Bible won't just help me where you are, but it'll give you direction for your future. The centurion said, Jesus, speak the word, and my servant will be healed. Matthew 4 verse 4 says, man cannot live on bread alone, but only on the word of God. Which means it's not the material things that are going to sustain your life, but it's actually right here in this Bible. This Bible has a message, and that message is that you are loved. It is full of stuff-ups and mess-ups and misfits, people with baggage and issue, but yet throughout the scripture, God has showed his grace and his love and his mercy. Having said that, some people have taken this Bible to try and use it for their own glory. They've taken sections and segments out of the scripture, and they've used it to manipulate, exclude, reject, and hurt people. And I don't think we can just hide that stuff under the carpet, because that stuff is real. But what we do need to do is make sure it doesn't happen again. Do you know how we do that? We make sure that we read this in context. We make sure that as any preacher or pastor speaks from this platform, we don't just sit there going, yes, sir, no, sir, thank you, sir. No, we actually go, that's, that's cool what you just said, but I'm going to go home and check what you just said. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my own research. Please don't say anything, take anything I'm saying today is like, that's concrete. Go home, get into the Bible yourself. Because Sunday services are meant to be the tip of the iceberg when it comes to spending time in the Word. But unfortunately, we think this is like a Sunday roast, you know, with the meat and the potatoes and the Yorkshire puddings and the cauliflower cheese and the gravy. And we think, that's it, I'll just come on Sunday, get full, and then I'll come back next Sunday and have another roast dinner then. I don't know about you, but even after I've had a roast dinner, I need dinner that same night. I need it the next day. I need it the next day. I need it the next day. And it's meant to be the same with the Word. But the question is, why do we read the word? Why do we have it here? Well, so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. It says this in 2 Timothy 3, verses 16. It's just coming up on the screen here. It says, all scripture is God-breathed, given by divine inspiration, and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error, and restoration to obedience. 
for training in righteousness, learning to live in conformity to God's will, both publicly and privately, having honorably, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. There's two key words I just want to focus on. Training. I'm, I'm a boxer. I'm not a very good boxer, but I like to box. And every day when I go to the boxing gym, um, the instructor will say to me, Dan, I need to correct you because I'm training you. You need to bring your elbows in. You need to hold your guard up. And I welcome the correction. Do you know why? Because I want to be the best boxer I can be. And the same way we read this Bible so that we can become more like Jesus Christ, so we can impact society, so we can change this, this world for his glory and for his goodness. But here's the thing. It's training. And as the, as the word is preached, what happens is our blind spots are revealed and we see areas of our life that don't look like Jesus. See, when I was 18 and I became a Christian, especially when you first encounter Jesus, every time the preacher preaches, it feels like it's right at you and you've got a lot of blind spots. Like the preacher would say, hey, don't retaliate, don't take revenge, forgive. Oh, come on, mate, are you serious? Like, Do you know what he just did to me? The preacher would say, don't, don't like, hold all your money like a screw. Be generous, bless people. Are you serious, mate? Do you know how many hours I've worked for that money? He'd say, when someone's gossiping, bite your tongue. Don't gossip about other people. I'm like, ah, I've been been gossiping quite a lot, to be fair, this week, actually. I've been saying a lot of stuff. And every time my blind spot of my not-like-Christ area of my life was revealed, I'd have this feeling of guilt. Guilt is I made a mistake. And sometimes I even had shame. Shame is I am a mistake. And here's the thing. There will be times when the word is preached and as certain things are revealed, blind spots are removed and you can see areas of your life. You don't look like Christ. You will have guilt and you will have shame. And here's the thing. For too long, people have felt that awkward feeling of guilt and shame and thought, well, I don't belong here. These people are all perfect. This isn't my house. And they leave God's presence and they leave the community because they think, I've got sin in my life. But here's the thing. Sin is S-I-N. It's all about I, me, myself, selfishness. And we have all fallen short. We have all missed the mark. Anyone ever told a lie? Give me a wave. If you're not waving, you're lying. You know that, yeah. Anyone ever stolen anything? Talking about like pen from the bank. You know, your friend's hoodie. You know, you think it looks better on you, so you haven't given it back yet. Yeah, that's stealing. That's stealing. Who's stolen something? I think in the majority of the room. Ever had a lustful thought? Yeah, I didn't say raise your hand. It's all right. So I just, just <laughs> got in the back there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, we have all fallen short. We've all made a mistake. We're all sinners, but Jesus came from heaven to earth to be a friend of sinners, to say, yeah, you have sinned, you have fallen short, but I'm going to the cross for you to take your sin, to take your shame, and to take your guilt so that you don't need to carry around your guilt and shame with you so that you can be set free. I don't know who I'm speaking to today. Many of you in the room might have this revelation. But the thing is, we gather in a Sunday service so that we can hear the word. And if there is a moment of guilt and shame, we don't run from God. We don't run from his community. We run to God and we spend time with the community. And now I'm just going to finish here. Hopefully I haven't gone over time. Um, The final one is ministry. And this is what we're going to do right now. We're just going to have some ministry time. This is where the preacher or the pastor shuts up and we say, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do, you can do. It says this in 1 Corinthians 2 verses 9. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, No mind has imagined what God has for those that love him. But verse 10 says, but it's the Spirit that reveals these things. I believe today the Holy Spirit is going to reveal some things which you have never even imagined for you in your life. And you don't need to do anything other than just receive. So if you don't mind, why don't you just stand to your feet?
And if you're comfortable, just close your eyes where you are. And if you want to, just put your hand out in a position of receiving. It's just a universal sign of surrender. And I'm just going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come. And what I believe is that for some people, he's going to give you a renewed joy and a renewed gladness. And for some of you, he's going to set you free from fear. And for some of you, he's going to take away your guilt and your shame because you've been holding on to that because you think you're not good enough. But you've got to understand that in this moment, there is nothing like his love. Human love will come and go. Human love will start and stop. Human love is based on so many things, but his love remains the same from the day he created you for the rest of your days, whether you love him back or not. And so as we wait on the Holy Spirit, I believe our Heavenly Father just wants to give us an overwhelming sense of his love and his grace and his mercy today. And he's going to set us free. So let's just wait on him. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. If you'd like to find out more, give or connect with us, visit our website, saint.church. Have a great week and we'll see you soon.